The Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, a collection of the final words from the sons of Jacob, exhorting their sons to walk in truth and in righteousness. Each patriarch has a unique message and perspective to share with the audience, containing unmistakable messianic prophecies and visions of end times revelation and impending judgment. The Testaments reflect some of the highest and noblest ethical teaching available and truly foreshadow many of Messiah's own precepts. The collection was preserved in Greek, Slavonic, Georgian, Serbian, Armenian, Venetian, and Latin. They were included in some canons, such as Armenian Orthodox, and were quoted by and alluded to through prominent early assembly writers, such as Origen and Jerome. Nevertheless, they are speculated by scholars to be pseudepigraphal and perhaps even Christian works. However, the avid researcher may be excited to know that the Dead Sea Scrolls findings included parts of Levi and Naphtali, dating to a minimum of 100 to 200 BC, thus lending credibility to the entire work. While we believe the Testaments to be inspired and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, it is up to you to test them and decide. With that being said, let's study together and show ourselves approved. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Testament of Twelve Patriarchs reading. This is the Testament of Gad. It's going to be talking all about removing hatred from your heart. And you may say to yourself, well, I don't deal with hatred. Maybe. Maybe you're one of the one of the few. But I'll tell you, this world is saturated with hate. They're breeding hate. They're getting people to hate each other because of skin color, because of race, ethnicity, because of political affiliations, because of, well, you happen to live in the town over and are the, 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 your high school rival team or college rivals or whatever. I mean, there's so many different things people hate each other over because one person may like Chevy, another person may like Ford. I mean, there's just so many different things that divide people and breed hatred. We're going to talk about that tonight. And I pray it's a blessing for you. Let's pray. Father, yeah, we just come before you, bless you in Yahusha's name, and we just thank you for this opportunity to study together. We thank you for sending your son, Messiah Yahusha, to give us everlasting life and freedom and reconciliation and forgiveness. Father, we just ask that you'd open our eyes and ears as we read and study your word, and that we'd grow together in Messiah Yahusha's name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's blow a little shofar together. What do you, what do you say about that? Now we can get started. So let's go to the Testament of Gab. And, um, you know, I have this picture here of uh, what looks like a Native American. And it's just a theory, but some people do speculate that uh, the tribe of Gad uh, may have been uh, part of the Native Americans. Just a speculation, but 2 Ezra 13, 40 through 45 says, These are the ten tribes which were led away from their own land into captivity in the days of King Hoshea, whom Shalmaneser, the king of the Assyrians, led captive. He took them across the river, and they were taken into another land. 
but they formed this plan for themselves that they would leave the multitude of the nations and go to a more distant region where mankind had never lived. That there, at least, they might keep their statutes, which they had not kept in their own land. And they went in by the narrow passages of the Euphrates River. For at that time the Most High performed signs for them, and stopped the channels of the river until they had passed over. Through that region there was a long way to go, a journey of a year and a half, and that country is called Arzareth, which some people would speculate would be America. And some people would speculate uh, that it was the tribe of Gad was one of the, the first tribes that actually went out to this new world, new country where no one had ever lived and to uh, inhabit it where they can keep the statutes. And that's why some people say, hey, you know, the Native, Native Americans, they've got the, the fringes on their, their garments. They're, there's some uh, archaeological finds of, of them having the tetragrammaton, things like that. So is it conclusive? Not really. Is it very interesting? I think so. And then, of course, as we know, we look at America now, which is filled with a lot of the um, the lost ten tribes being the fulfillment of the fullness of the nations through Ephraim. So if you have more questions on that, take a look at Rob Skiba with the Ephraim Awakening. Uh, it's some interesting stuff. So anyways, let's uh, let's get into the, the copy of or the book of uh, the Testament of Gad. A copy of the Testament of Gad concerning what he said to his sons in the 127th year of his life, saying, I was Jacob's ninth son. Among the shepherds, I was valiant in keeping the flocks. I guarded the flocks at night, and when the lion came, the wolf, the leopard, the bear, or any other wild animal attacked the flock, I pursued it. And overtaking it, I seized its foot with my hand and hurled it about a stone's throw and so killed it. He's starting to sound like Judah a little bit. Just a, a, a extraordinarily strong and fierce man who was valiant for keeping the flocks. Now Joseph was tending the flocks with me for about 30 days. And since he was delicate, he became faint from the heat and went back to Hebron to his father. He made Joseph lie down close to him because he loved him. And Joseph said to his father, The sons of Zilpah and Bilhah are killing the best animals and eating them against the advice of Judah and Reuben. For he saw that I had delivered a lamb out of the mouth of a bear, and put the bear to death, but had slain the lamb, being grieved concerning it, that it could not live, and that we had eaten it. This he told our father. On this matter I was enraged against Joseph until the day he was sold into Egypt. And the spirit of hatred, this is what we're talking about tonight, the spirit of hatred which commingles with many other spirits out there. The spirit of hatred was in me, and I wished not either to hear of Yosef with the ears or see him with the eyes, because he rebuked us to our faces, saying that we were eating of the flock without Judah. And we'll stop here real quickly, <clears throat> because if this account is correct, Joseph did the right thing. He, If he rebuked them to their faces, uh, and then he went and told his father. Uh, and that's, you know quick reminder as we go through these we try to glean as much information as we can for our lives and our walks today which this is torah leviticus 19 16 through 18 you shall not go up as down i'm sorry go not go up and down as a talebearer among your people this is kind of like a gossip neither shall you stand against the blood of your neighbor i am yahuwah you shall not hate your brother in your heart you shall in any wise rebuke your neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So what a lot of people do is they they refuse to go um, correct a brother, and they'll just keep this hatred in their heart. Uh, a really famous story about this is the story of Amnon, Tamar, and Absalom. Amnon raped Absalom's sister, Tamar, which is atrocious, of course. Um, and Absalom never really 
talked about it, never rebuked him. He just kept this hatred in his heart, and then years later, he killed Amnon. And so this hatred was just welling up, welling up, welling up, and it led to murder. These are some of the things that our Messiah was talking about, getting to the root of a matter. Sure, you may not murder, but do you hate your brother in your heart? Because guess what? It may not always lead to that, but you're already murdering him in your heart. And this is why he was trying to get to the root of these causes. You shall not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. But the point here I'm reading here is um, when someone sins against you or, or sins, you go to them and, and rebuke them. That is loving them. That's part of this whole love thing that Messiah talks about quite a bit. And this is the Matthew 18 process. I just want to remind you because this is something that I've seen even in the Torah community that People forget about this step, the first step, Matthew 18. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. This is like key right here, private. Messiah calls for privacy in a matter. If he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. This is step two. And then step three, if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the assembly. But if he neglect to hear the assembly, let him be unto you as a heathen man and a publican. But the point is, is it <clears throat> what I, in my experience, is nine times out of ten, when you go to that person, a lot of times it's a misunderstanding or um, sometimes the person will be like, you know what, you're right, I messed up. Um, or whatever. What I've seen nine times out of ten, the issue is squashed. If you go to them one-on-one -on -one, privately, not going to everyone around you and getting a team of people that see your side of the story, but going to them one-on-one. -on -one. That's how it's supposed to be done. James 5, 19 through 20. So let's say somebody goes astray, right? Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, which is the Torah, and one convert him or bring him back, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That's, that's big stuff. Now, you ever heard the saying, it's not what you say, but how you say it? Well, in our walk, it's both. It's what you say, because every word that comes out of your mouth, you shall be judged for so it's what you say and it's how you say it second timothy 2 when you approach somebody this is like the guidebook this is like the number one go-to how should i approach somebody let me read this first and the servant of yahuwah must not strive but be gentle unto all men apt to teach so ready to teach patient and meekness instructing those that oppose themselves if elohim peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him and his will especially if if the issue involves uh, some emotion some anger or jealousy when you go to somebody and you go to them like all fired up and they're already fired up what do you think is going to happen a big forest fire or explosions fireworks but if someone's fired up and you go to them and you go like, hey you know, can we talk? Can we talk about this? You know, there's a couple things I want to share uh, that maybe a perspective you haven't seen or whatever. I, I don't know. I have no idea what the situation could be, but I'm just saying. Go to them in meekness and humility and love and patience, and you, you just never know. The Most High may grant you that shalom that you're looking for and uh, the reconciliation. Um, also, <clears throat> if you think about this, um, it says, here, there seems to be a misunderstanding between Gad and Joseph because it said that he rebuked them to their faces and then he went and told his father that Joseph went and told their father 
And Joseph went to his, said to his father, the sons of Zilpah and Bilhah, killing the best animals and eating them against the advice of Judah and Reuben. So it seemed like there was a misunderstanding and Gad didn't explain like, hey, man, like we weren't just like going on a, on a we weren't on a, like a meat frenzy where we just want to start eating all the best of the lambs. Didn't you see the bear got it and like almost killed it and there was no way it was going to live. And so we decided to kill it and eat it like instead of it just going to waste. Like, what's up, man? Proverbs 12, 1, who loves instruction, loves knowledge, but he that hates reproof is brutish or stupid in, in other translations, dumb. So we should learn to love instruction. And if you hate being corrected, the scriptures calls you dumb. Proverbs 13, 1, a wise son hears his father instruction, but a scorner hears not a rebuke. There you, and you know some people that just won't hear correction no matter what. For, there's a multitude of different, different reasons, but they won't hear it. But it says a wise person, when they hear a, rebu a rebuke, they're like, you know, I can. I can improve on that. Forgive me. Proverbs 15.10, correction is grievous unto him that forsakes the way, and he that hates reproof shall die. So, just some things. And it seemed like maybe Gad didn't like being reproved here from Joseph. He may have heard it from Joseph and it was just like, <clears throat> I have no idea. It does the script, the, these scriptures don't give us all the details here, but there seems to be a huge miscommunication. Gad could have, it seemed like, I'm not judging him because this is one of the 12 patriarchs and who am I? I'm just saying, just so that we can grow from this story, it seemed like Gad did not take a rebuke well, or maybe even Joseph was, was misunderstanding in his rebuke and maybe Gad could have had some patience with him and be like, hey, no, 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 man, that's actually not what happened. Let me share with you, blah, 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 blah. But anyways, we don't have all that. But again, we can still glean from these stories and be like, hey, how can we apply that to our lives today? So back here, again, the spirit of hatred was in me. And I wish not either to hear of Yosef with the ears or see him with the eyes because he rebuked us to our faces, saying that we were eating of the flock without Judah. And so as we've seen with some of the other patriarchs, when some of these spirits come upon people, it's just straight blindness. Like he's just blind to anything good that Joseph did. He just, I don't even want to hear about him because he hated him from his heart. Chapter two, I now confess my sin, children, that I frequently wanted to kill him to the depth of my soul. I hated him. Why? Because I hated him from my heart. And this is something that we have to drive away from all of us. This is one of the things in Matthew five, Messiah called us to be perfect with, which is with our dealings with one another. He's like, be ye perfect. Okay, JV for you. Moreover, I hated him yet more for his dreams, and I wanted to gobble him from among the living as an ox gobbles up the grass from the ground. Let's talk a little bit about getting to the root of the matter, as I was mentioning earlier from Messiah. Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. So what's swelling in your heart will come out. We've talked a lot about this, just in case you haven't seen some of the other patriarchs. I, I do want to cover this because this is like vital information. And this is also why Messiah was rebuking the Pharisees, because they were very careful about all their outward things, making sure their seat were nice and long enough, making sure their robes were, you know, this and that, making sure they had the best seats uh, in, in wherever, the greetings in the marketplaces, and they did all a lot of the check marks. They did a lot of the check marks of the Torah, but they didn't have a, a cleansed heart inward, and that's what why he called them whitewashed tombs. Like, it was just nice and pretty and white on the inside, but the, on the outside, but the inside is full of dead man's bones, and I'm full of all hypocrisy. And this is, this is really, 
the heart of Messiah's message coming here is, hey, I want to clean you from the inside. It's like if you're a, if we're all a garden, he's like, I want to get all these weeds out of there. It's choking you up. It's it's making you unfruitful. And this is where we all have to evaluate ourselves is, what am I stewing on? What are my thoughts? As we've been talking a lot about the, during this series is taking every thought captive. Yah gave us a mind to be able to reason with ourselves. Like, what am, what am I thinking about? What am I getting ready to do? Why do I think about this person this way? Matthew 5, 21 through 24. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not murder, and whoever commits murder shall be answerable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answerable to the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, I love the NASB sometimes, shall be answerable to the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. And in our times, our offerings are spiritual, our prayers. And if we recognize that we have something against our brother, stop. He's like, don't even pray. Stop. Go reconcile your brother. We should be, we should have that kind of heart always. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. This is the prophecy Ezekiel had for Messiah and what he, his coming would bring. He would give us a new heart. He would change us. I don't know about you. I don't know. I still have a lot of work to do, but I can tell you, I can, I can flash back and look back at my life 10 years ago, seven years ago, and the things that were swelling in my heart and what my heart thirsted after and what it pondered and how it looked at other people and thought of other people is completely different. And I, I can I can take no credit to that of myself, only knowing that that it can only be a supernatural thing from above. And this is what our Messiah offers. When we believe in him, when we repent of our, our ways, when we get baptized, he cleanses our conscience. He cleanses our heart. He actually even gives us a new heart. Figuratively speaking, of course, we're talking about this, the spiritual nature of the heart, not the physical one itself. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and bring it about that you walk in my statutes and are careful to follow my ordinances. And this is the whole reason he gave us the spirit and the new heart, to give us a new refreshed way of walking in his commandments. Praise Yah. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see Yah. What's in your heart? Is, is, is your heart... Is, is it in your heart to ha to find peace with everyone? Or is it in your heart to go around whacking everyone over the head because you think you know it all? Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of Elohim. Romans 14, 19. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Proverbs 16, 32. One who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one who rules his spirit than one who captures a city. Again, not not uh, condemning God or judging him. All I'm saying is that these stories are written down for us that we may learn from them and grow so that we don't fall into the same traps. I want to share a couple th something with you real quick. This is something that we're going to be talking about very soon. It's the book of the Nazarene. Let's see. I want to go to Matthew 
We're gonna go to chapter nine. These just these are this is another. Here we go. Chapter nine. These are more words from Messiah that some of us may have never heard before. Chapter nine, verse thirty-four. Listen to this. Oops. Is this uh, capturing on the thing? Yeah. Ah, it's so it's still too small. He that is near, he that is near me, is close to a blazing fire and may get burned. But he who withdraws from the heat withdraws from heaven. Some have said the yoke of the Torah sits heavy on our shoulders. But I tell you, I come not to lighten it, but to increase the burden. Moshe brought the Torah, which says not to kill. But I say, any who releases anger on his brother without just cause shall not escape judgment. Now think about it for a second. He ha he did come to give us more rules. It's even stricter now. Some and it's so it's so wild that in modern day Christianity they completely just remove the law. Now, some will, in, some, in just different extremities, some will be like, well, the moral law, you know, we don't kill and all those kind of things still stand. But they, people preach that he came to remove the burden of the law from us. And we know, those of us that are understand the, to walk in, in faith and obedience, understand that that was not Messiah's mission at all. But actually to come and bring more regulations, which are good for us, like this, for example. He didn't loose us from the command of not murdering. He added more to it. Now, it's even stricter. You can't even hate your brother from your heart. A couple other verses I want to read for you real quick. <clears throat> the Torah says, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. Now, the Torah, the first five books, actually doesn't say that. However, if we do read the uh, the, the book of the Psalms, uh, we see David hating his enemies. And we do know that Messiah called... Uh, the Psalms Torah before when he says, is it not written in your Torah that you are Elohim? Uh, that's referencing Psalm 82. So anyways, Torah says, the Torah you have, now it could also be referencing a Torah that's been manipulated, love your neighbors and hate your enemies, but I tell you to love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who deceive or persecute you, for if you only give love for love, this cannot be claimed as a meritorious thing. Even when criminals return the love of those who love them, if you only repay good with good, dealing fairly only with those who treat you likewise, how can merit be claimed for this, which is no more than criminals do? Is the, I'm sorry, it is the same if you give only to those who give to you. For criminals give to their own kind. Can you stand by and let it be said that criminals treat each other better than do godly men? Love your enemies, but not their faults. Wise words. Love those who hate you, but concede nothing to their wickedness. Give without expectation of return. Then only can you lay claim to goodness and be called the servant of Yahuwah. I have not come to abolish the Torah or change the teachings of the prophets, but to complete them, adding any necessary clarification and interpretation, uh, interpreting them to understanding of, of men. But the time has come to ask, when will they be put into practice? When will men bring Yahuwah out of the temple and make him a participant in their daily lives? When will men carry these things in their hearts and stop paying them lip service? Bam. Wow. I say with certainty, so long as heaven and the earth and the heavens above remain in it, not even the smallest part 
particle shall be deducted from the Torah until the purpose it serves has been completed. Therefore, if anyone tried to avoid even the least obligation imposed by the Torah, or to set aside the slightest of its restrictions, or teach others to do the same, he will be an insignificant thing in the life to come. But whoever lives by them, leading others to do likewise, will achieve the greatest heights of glory. And again, this is the books of the Nazarene, something that I'm going to be sharing a lot more of here in the coming days. So, um, let's remind ourselves that anger leads to envy or envy to anger, vice versa. Proverbs 27.4, wrath is fierce and anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy or envy? 1 John 3.12, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And for what reason did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, but his brothers were righteous. And as we were saying at the beginning, that there's hatred all over you may not think that what's in your mind is hatred or in your heart is hatred but when you're looking at your brother or sister in a certain way or thinking about them in a certain way because of this or because of that this is that same root cause that caused Cain to do what he did Proverbs 14:30 a tranquil heart is life to the body but jealousy is rottenness to the bones let's go back to the testament of Dan from last week and just recap a few verses Chapter 1, verse 3. I have proved in my heart and in my whole life that truth with just dealing is good and well-pleasing to Elohim, and that lying and anger are evil because they teach man all wickedness. I confess, therefore, this day to you, my children, that in my heart are resolved on the death of Yosef, my brother, the true and good man. And I rejoice that he was sold because his father loved him more than us. For the spirit of jealousy and vainglory said to me, you yourself also are his son. And one of the spirits of Beliar stirred me up, saying, Take this sword, and with it slay Yosef. So shall your father love you when he is dead. Now this is the spirit of anger that persuaded me to crush Joseph as a leopard crushes a kid. But the Elohim of my fathers did not suffer him to fall into my hands, so that I should find him alone and slay him, and cause a second tribe to be destroyed in Israel. And now, my children, behold, I am dying and tell you the truth that unless you keep yourselves from the spirit of lying and of anger and love truth and long suffering, you shall perish. For anger is blindness and does not suffer one to see the face of any man with truth. You really have to self-evaluate. You have to see when these things start coming upon you, when these thoughts come in or like, hey, what do you think about that? Or you deserve that better than he does. You should be doing that, not him or her. You're better than her. Whatever these thoughts are. For though it be a father or a mother, he behaves towards them as enemies. Though it be a brother, he knows him not. Though it be a prophet of Yahuwah, he disobeys him. Though a righteous man, he regards him not. Though a friend, he does not acknowledge him. For the spirit of anger encompasses him, so surrounds him with a net of deceit and blinds his eyes, and through lying darkens his mind and gives him his own peculiar vision, and wherewith compasses his eyes with hatred of heart, so as to be envious of his brother. And we'll see that we see that Dan and Gad uh, suffered with very similar things. For anger is an evil thing, my children, for it troubles even the soul itself. And the body of the angry man, it makes its own. And over his soul, it gets the mastery. And it bestows upon the body power that it may work all iniquity. And when the body does all these things, the soul justifies what is done, since it sees not right. And you know, you've seen this before. People are just completely out of control. And when you talk to them, 
they're totally justifying these irrational behaviors. It's because they're literally blinded. And this is why Paul says we don't fight against uh, flesh and blood or wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in, in high places. It's because these spirits are influencing people to do these things. Rational people become irrational. And it doesn't remove that person from responsibility of their actions because they're the ones that allow these spirits to do these things. But at least we know how to, how to do battle in the spiritual realm praying against these spirits that are attacking these people that have their 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 claws into people and won't let go well we can intercede for people we have we have the ability to pray and intercede for people this is a testament of benjamin i'm sorry simeon chapter 1 verse 7 for in the time of my youth i was jealous of many things of joseph because my father loved him beyond all and I set my mind against him to destroy him because the prince of deceit sent forth the spirit of jealousy and blinded my mind so that I regarded him not as a brother, nor did I even spare Jacob my father. We see that Simeon, Dan, and Gad all messed or all got totally tempted with and fell for the spirits of anger, hatred, uh, envy, lying. But his Elohim and the Elohim of his father sent forth his angel and delivered him out of my hands. For when I went to Shechem to bring ointment for the flocks and Reuben to Dothim, where were our necessaries and all of our stores, Judah my brother sold him to the Ishmaelites. And when Reuben heard these things, he was grieved, for he wished to restore him to his father. But on hearing this, I was exceedingly wroth against Judah, and that he let him go away alive. And for five months I continued wrathful against him. But Yahweh restrained me. And withheld from me the power of my hands, for my right hand was half withered for seven days. And I knew, my children, that because of Yosef this had befallen me. And I repented and wept. Now we're getting to the root of how we get, how people, we escape these things. I repented and wept, and I besought Yahweh Elohim that my hand might be restored, and that I might hold aloof from all pollution and envy, envy and from all folly. And so, um, there's a passage that says that we're not tested above we're not tested so much um, that it's it's too much for any of us to bear and that in every situation Elohim will always give us a way out for some people he may get our attention by pain and this is what happened here with Simeon he had this extreme pain that woke him up like hey what are you doing and this is why he repented and wept and there's different ways that Yah can get a hold of you if you're listening if you're not listening then you're not going to pay attention to it for I knew that I had devised an evil thing before Yahuwah and Yaakov my father on account of Yosef my brother, and that I envied him. Anger, hatred leads to envy, envy leads to hatred and anger. And now my children hearken unto me and beware of the spirit of deceit and envy. For envy rules over the whole mind of a man and suffers him neither to eat or drink nor to do any good thing. But it ever suggests to him to destroy him that he envies. And so long as he that is envies is envied flourishes he that envies fades away two years after therefore i afflicted my soul with fasting in the fear of yahuwah and i learned that deliverance from envy comes by the fear of elohim for if a man flee to yahuwah the evil spirit runs away from him and his mind is lightened and henceforward he sympathizes with him whom he envied and forgives those who are hostile to him and so ceases from his envy so Interesting little rabbit trail there, but let's keep going. So we're back to Testament of Gad, chapter 2, verse 3. And Judah sold him secretly to the Ishmaelites for 30 pieces of gold. And he hid 10 pieces and showed only 20 to our brothers. So um, this is kind of interesting. I want to read the Genesis account, of course, which says, 
Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him out and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. So they brought Joseph into Egypt. Zechariah 11, 12-13, And I said to them, If it is good in your sight, give me my wages, but if not, never mind. So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wages. Then Yahweh said to me, Throw it to the potter that magnificent price at which I was valued by them. So I took the 30 shekels of silver and threw them to the potter in the house of Yahweh. We know, of course, these are all foreshadows of Messiah being sold for 30 pieces of silver. So I find it interesting. So even in the, the Torah account of being sold for 20 pieces of silver, here we have in the Testament of Gad, that Judah sold him secretly to the Ishmaelites for 30 pieces of gold, and he hid 10 pieces and showed only 20 to our brothers. Um... Also, Matthew twenty six fifteen, and said, What are you willing to give me to betray him to you? And they set out for him 30 pieces of silver. And we know that Messiah was betrayed and sold for 30 pieces of silver. Well, what's interesting about this is Yosef is a foreshadow of Messiah. We know that the two, the two comings of Messiah, one, he'd, he would be the suffering servant, kind of like Yosef, but raised to glory like Yosef was. But then we know Messiah is going to come back like the reigning king, like David. One Messiah, two comings. Testament of Benjamin, chapter 1, 14 through 27. Fear ye Yahuwah and love your neighbor. And even though the spirits of Belial claim you to afflict you with every evil, yet shall they not have dominion over you, even as they had not over Yosef, my brother. So we'll see, we see that most of these patriarchs suffered with these spirits they were afflicting them, but Yosef was impervious to them. How many men wished to slay him, and Elohim shielded him? For he that fears Elohim and loves his neighbor cannot be smitten by the spirit of Belial, being shielded by the fear of Elohim. And this is how, this is how we also operate to protect ourselves from these things: is to look at our brothers and sisters and look at them with love, and like how can how can how can we have shalom together? How can I love on you? How can I improve your life? How can we be friends? Instead of looking at people in a different way. Nor can he be ruled over by the device of men or beasts, for he is helped by Yahuwah through the love which he has towards his neighbor. For Yosef also besought our father that he would pray for his brethren, that Yahuwah would not impute to them sin whatever evil they had done to him. Think about this. They sold him into slavery. He was in slavery, and then he was in jail for 12 years. I mean, what a horrible life he lived. He could have easily been like hating on his brothers or wanting to get revenge or even just be like, you know, I forgive you, but I I just don't want to be hard on your lives. Hopefully you can understand that. It would have been like, we get it. But Yosef's like, I want to pray for them, Father. And thus Yosef cried out, my good child, you have prevailed over the bowels of your father. And he embraced him and kissed him for two hours saying, in you, Joseph, not in your tribe, but in you, in your life, in your pattern of your life, shall be fulfilled the prophecy of heaven concerning the Lamb of Elohim and the Savior of the world, and that a blameless one shall be delivered up for lawless men, and a sinless one shall die for ungodly men, in the blood of the covenant, for the salvation of the nations and of Israel, and shall destroy Belial and his servants. See, therefore, my children, the end of a good man. Be followers of his compassion, therefore, with a good mind, that you also may wear crowns of glory. For the good man has not a dark eye, for he shows mercy to all men, even though they be sinners. 
And though they devise with evil intent concerning him, by doing good he overcomes evil, being shielded by Elohim, and he loves the righteous as his own soul. If anyone is glorified, he envies him not. If anyone is enriched, he is not jealous. If anyone is valiant, he praises him. The virtuous man he lauds. On the poor man he has mercy. On the weak he has compassion. And unto Elohim he sings praises. This right here is key. You want to learn how to get away from all these evil spirits that are attacking you? This is it right here. This is a whole mind shift change of how we look at things, how we look at people, how we look at situations. And him that has the grace of a good spirit, he loves as his own soul. If therefore you also have a good mind, then will both wicked men be at peace with you, and the profligate will reverence you and turn unto good, and the covetous will not only cease from their inordinate desire, but even give the objects of their covetousness to them that are afflicted. If you do well, even the unclean spirits will flee from you, and the beasts will dredge you. For where there is reverence for good works and light in the mind, even darkness flees away from him. For if anyone does violence to a holy man, he repents. For the holy man is merciful to his reviler and holds his peace. And if anyone betrays a righteous man, the righteous man prays. Though for a little he be humbled, yet not long after he appears far more glorious, as was Yosef my brother. I could keep reading, but we should save some of that for the Testament of Benjamin. But anyways, I just want to share with you that Yosef here is obviously a foreshadow of Messiah, and that here in the Testament we get a little a little more information about the pieces of silver that actually was 30, and 10 was withheld from the rest of the brethren. In this way, Elohim of the Elohim of my fathers rescued him from my hands, so that I might not perform a lawless deed in Israel. Chapter 3. And now, my children, listen to the words of truth the Torah, to perform justice in every law of the Most High, not to be led astray by the spirit of hatred because it is evil beyond all human deeds. Just want to remind you that the Torah is the truth. Romans 2, 8-13 But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth. It's the Torah. And you'll see here that Paul taught about Torah obedience and do not obey the truth. Let's look at the context of this. But obey unrighteousness. We know that Psalm 119 says your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your Torah is the truth. So if someone does not obey the truth, they obey unrighteousness, which is the opposite of righteousness. Indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does evil of the first Jew and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor and peace to every man that works good to the Jew first and also the Gentile for there is no respect of persons with Elohim for as many as have sinned without the Torah shall also perish without the Torah and as many as have sinned in the Torah shall be judged by the Torah for not the hearers of the Torah are just before Elohim but the doers of the Torah shall be justified 2 Thessalonians 2 now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our master, Yahushua HaMashiach, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Messiah is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed." the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called Elohim or that is worshipped, so that he as Elohim sits in the temple, showing himself that he is Elohim. Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. 
For the mystery of iniquity, of lawlessness, does already work. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the master shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth, the Torah, that they might be saved. For this cause, Elohim shall send them a strong delusion that they shall believe a lie, a lie that the Torah has been done away with that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness but we are bound to give thanks always to elohim for you brethren beloved of yahweh because elohim has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctifi sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth the torah isaiah 26 2 open ye the gates this is to new jerusalem that the righteous nation which keeps the truth the torah may enter in Jeremiah 5.1 Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof if you can find a man if there be any that executes judgment that seeks the truth the Torah and I'll pardon it. John 8.31-32 Then Yahusha then said Yahusha to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's freedom in the Torah. 1 Corinthians 13, 6, Rejoice not in iniquity, lawlessness, but rejoice in the truth, the Torah. 1 Timothy 2, 3-4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of Elohim our Savior. Listen to this. This is really cool. Who will have all men to be saved, step one, and step two, come unto the knowledge of the truth, the Torah. You can even see Paul talks about faith and obedience. It starts with faith, which is where our salvation comes from, and we continue to learn of the knowledge of the truth. Pretty cool, I thought at least. And of course, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Your Torah, your law is the truth. Praise Yah. Praise Yah. All right, let's keep going. Testament of Gad, chapter 2, verse 3. Whatsoever a man does, the hater abominates him. And though a man works the Torah of Yahuwah, he praises him not. Though a man fear Yahuwah and takes pleasure in that which is righteous, he loves him not. Blindness. We read this earlier in Testament of Simeon. Blindness. 1 John 2, 9-11 The one who says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother and sister remains in the light and there is nothing in him to cause stumbling. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And this is something that I see quite a bit. Even We mentioned earlier there's so many different things that um, <clears throat> cause people to hate each other. Political party, race, all these different things. Um, even the Torah movement. You have people that, even though they're like, I'm not hating him, I'm just correcting him. I mean, you can see that just the viciousness and the, and the, and, uh, the toxicity in people's talk with each other, especially online, because when people are sitting behind computer screens and phones, you know, everyone's a, not everyone, but a lot of people become um, internet warriors, and they would never say these things to someone in their face, but of course they have this extra dose of courage um, when because it, de it dehumanizes, the whole, it desensitizes people and dehumanizes people, and people just talk with such a vicious, uh, vile manner with each other, and, and people hate each other because of the pronunciation of the name and um, the calendar and evening to evening or morning to morning or whatever it may be. 
It's ridiculous. Also, there's another kind of movement I've seen quite a bit um, about people hating other people in even in this horror movement because uh, of race, race or ethnicity, saying that a certain skin color um, were the true Israelites and therefore um, the other skin color is inferior and should bow down or, or are not worthy of salvation. All these different things. And it's just... This is, I mean, Satan is having his way with so many people, and they don't realize it because they're blinded. And they do these things and keep doing them, even if they're rebuked, they don't see it because they're blinded. They're blinded by these spirits. Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love so all these things that it's talking about knowledge perseverance it's it, it the 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 culmination of this should lead towards brotherly kindness love and these are fruits to be measured and if this is not where it ends up then there's probably something wrong for if these qualities are yours and increasing, they do not make you useless nor unproductive in the knowledge of our master Yahushua HaMashiach but for the one who lacks these qualities is blind. That's what we're talking about here. These, these spirits blind people so that they cannot be fruitful. The one who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Because now all of a sudden you're perfect and you want to go around and hate on everyone else. Gad 3.3, the hater disparages truth, envies the successful person, relishes in slander that's like, oh, what did you hear? Huh. I knew it. I knew that person was such and such. <laughs> I've been trying to say it all this time. Relishes and slander. They love it. Give me more. Loves arrogance. Why? Because hatred blinds his soul. I tell you what. There's lots of tests out there that you may not even know that people are being tested by. It's you're not just tested by what you say. You're tested by what you hear. What do you do with that information when someone comes to you? Hey, do you hear what so-and-so... Ah, did you go to them one-on-one? -on -one? If not, I don't want to hear it. How about that? They may start changing some things in this movement. The hater disparages the truth, envies a successful person, relishes in slander, loves arrogance because hatred blinds his soul. It was in this way that it regarded Joseph. Had Gad reproved Yosef instead of harboring hatred, it would have worked out. Maybe. Just a thought. Sirach 19, 13-17. Question a friend. Perhaps he did not do it. This is part of the Matthew 18 process. Go to him. But if he did anything so that he may do it no more, question a neighbor. Perhaps he did not say it. But if he said it so that he may not say it again, question a friend. For often it is slander. And so do not believe everything you hear. A person may make a slip without intending it. Who has never sinned with his tongue? Question your neighbor before you threaten him, and let the Torah of the Most High take its course. And we read this earlier, of course, Leviticus 19, where you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason with your neighbor, lest you bear sin because of him. And of course, the Matthew 18 process, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Hallelujah. Let's start doing it Yah's way, not our own.
All right, chapter four. Beware, my children, of those who hate, because it leads to lawlessness against Yahweh himself, for it will not hear the words of his commandments concerning the loving of one's neighbor. And in this way, it sins against Elohim. One thing I hear is, that's not my brother. He believes that he believes that Messiah is not the father. So that's not my brother. I don't have to do the Matthew 18 process because Matthew 18 process is just for my brother. This is how people are blinded and don't even look at another fellow brother or sister as they should be regarded as a brother and treated that way. Beware of angry people, brothers and sisters. Sirach 8.16 Do not fight with a wrathful man and do not cross the wilderness with him because blood is as nothing in his sight and where no help is at hand, he will strike you down. Proverbs 10.12 Hatred stirs up strife but love covers all offenses. Proverbs 30.33 For pressing milk produces curds, pressing the nose produces blood, and pressing anger produces strife. Proverbs 10.18, he who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who utters slander is a fool. Sirach 28. This is a really good passage. He that takes vengeance will suffer vengeance from Yahuwah, and will firmly establish his sins. Forgive your neighbor the wrong he has done, and then your sins will be pardoned when you pray. Does a man harbor anger against his brother and yet seek for healing from Yahuwah? So it's like you're, it's like what Messiah said earlier. If you're coming to the altar and you realize you have something against your brother, leave you leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile with your brother and then come back. So does a man harbor anger against his brother and yet seeks for healing from Yahuwah? Does he have no mercy toward a man like himself and yet prays for his own sins? If he himself being flesh maintains wrath, who will make expiation for his sins? Remember the end of your life and cease from enmity. Remember destruction and death and be true to the commandments. Remember the commandments and do not be angry with your neighbor. Remember the covenant of the Most High and overlook ignorance. Refrain from strife and you will lessen sins. For a man given to anger will kindle strife. And a sinful man will disturb friends and inject enmity among those who are at peace. In proportion to the fuel for the fire, so will be the burning. And in proportion to the obstinacy of strife will be the burning. In proportion to the strength of a man will be his anger. And in the proportion to his wealth, he will heighten his wrath. A hasty quarrel kindles a fire, and urgent strife sheds blood. If you blow on a spark, it will glow. If you spit on it, it will be put out, and both come out of your mouth. Curse the whisperer and deceiver, for he has destroyed many who were at peace. Slander has shaken many, and scattered them from nation to nation, and destroyed strong cities, and overturned the houses of great men. Slander has driven away courageous women, and deprived them of the fruit of their toil. Whoever pays heed to slander will not find rest. And this is the test. This is the test of your ears. Whoever pays heed to slander nor will not find rest, nor will he settle down in peace. There's a spirit of slander, and it's contagious. It's like a poison. The blow of a wisp of I'm sorry, the blow of a whip raises a welt, but the blow of the tongue crushes the bones. You ever heard that saying? Sixteen stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not what the scriptures say. But a blow of a tongue crushes the bones. Many have fallen by the edge of the sword, but not so many as have fallen because of the tongue. Happy is the man who is protected from it and who has not been exposed to its anger, who has not borne its yoke, and has not been bound with its fetters, for its yoke is a yoke of iron, and its fetters are fetters of bronze. Its death is an evil death, and Hades is preferable to it. It will not be master over the godly, and they will not be burned in its flame. Those who forsake Yahweh will fall into its power. 
It will burn among them, it will not be put out. It will be sent out against them like a lion, like a leopard it will mangle them. See that you fence in your property with thorns, lock up your silver and gold, make balances and scales for your words, and make a door and a bolt for your mouth. Beware lest you err with your tongue, lest you fall before him who lies in wait. Proverbs 9.8 Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. That's enough. That's enough for now. All right. Gad four three. If a brother, for if a brother stumbles, immediately he wants to spread the tale to everyone and is eager to have him condemned for it, punished and executed. Boy, I've seen this firsthand, in my own life. Remember Matthew eighteen. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. Yeah, uh, the Most High or Messiah calls for privacy when someone messes up proverbs 17:9. he that covers a transgression seeks love but he that repeats a matter separates very friends proverbs 16 27 through 32 an ungodly man digs up evil and in his lips there is it as a burning fire a froward man sows strife and a whisperer separates chief friends a violent man entices his neighbor and leads him into the way that is not good he shuts his eyes to devise froward things moving his lips he brings evil to pass the hoary head is a crown of glory, if he be found in the way of righteousness. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. So, have you ever seen this person? Someone slips up, messes up, and it's like, ah, I gotta tell the whole world. I've seen it. I've seen it. For if a brother stumbles, immediately he wants to spread the tale to everyone and is eager to have him condemned for it, punished, and execute. Why? Because he hates them from his heart. Either jealousy, envy, anger, hatred. That's what stirs this up right here. If you've seen someone like that's like this, always ready to just expose everyone. You'd be almost guaranteed that they suffer from either a spirit of anger, a spirit of hatred, a spirit of jealousy, or envy. If the hater is a servant, he conspires against his master, and whenever difficulty arises, it plots how he might be killed. Think about this. We're all servants of the Most High, and people are trying to, like, get other servants, you know, in trouble or even killed, right? Hatred collaborates with envy. When it sees or hears about the prosperity of those who do well, it is perpetually peevish. It's, like, annoyed, ticked off, disturbed unable to be settled until I just expose this person for what they are. Just as love wants to bring the dead back to life and recall those under the sentence of death, so hate wants to kill the living and does not wish to preserve alive those who have committed the slightest sin. Someone messes up a little bit, like, I gotta tell the world this person needs to die. It's true. I mean, it's not true, but I'm saying this is, this happens. I've seen this I have seen this with my own eyes. For among all men, the spirit of hatred works by Satan through the human frailty for the depth of mankind. But the spirit of love works by the Torah of Elohim through forbearance for the salvation of mankind. Whew. Man. You have some of these thoughts of anger, hatred, envy, jealousy. Pray fast if you need to break it. 
Isaiah 58, 6 says, Is this not the fast I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? And that's what these spirits are. These spirits oppress you. They're a yoke over you. They're bondage. They're keeping you down. Flee from it. And flee from it and, and flee to Yahuwah. Flee from these spirits and flee to Yahuwah. Pray and fast that he'd take these things from you. If you're if you're suffering with these things. I want to read something for you. Fourth Maccabees. Fourth Maccabees 1. These are some wise words here. The emotions of both pleasure and pain have many consequences. Thus desire precedes pleasure and delight follows it. Fear precedes pain and sorrow comes after. Anger, as a man will see if he reflects on this experience, is an emotion embracing pleasure and pain. In pleasure, there exists even a mal malevolent tendency, which is the most complex of all the emotions. In the soul, it is boastful, covetousness, thirst for honor. We see that a lot in this Torah community. Rivalry, see a lot of that too, and malice. And in the body, indiscriminate eating, gluttony, and solitary gormandizing. When's the last time you word that? used that word? Look that up. Just as pleasure and pain are the two plants growing from the body and the soul, so there are many offshoots of these plants, each of which the master cultivator, reason, reason is the master cultivator in your mind. This is that new heart and that, that new ruach he gave us. He gave us a cleansing of the mind and a cleansing of the heart to give us a reasoning mind. Like, like, like the Mosai says, let us sit down and reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Only come, come back to me, he says. But anyways, the master cultivator, so if, if, if our body was a field, our mind is the cultivator of that operates, that governs everything of how our body works. Reason weeds and prunes and ties up and waters thoroughly and thoroughly irrigates, and so tames the jungle of habits and emotions. For reason is the guide of the virtues, but over the emotion it is sovereign. Observe now, first of all, that rational judgment is sovereign over the emotions by virtue of the restraining power of self-control. Self-control, as we know, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the evidences that the Holy Spirit is within us. Self-control, then, is dominance over the desires. Some desires are mental, others are physical, and reason obviously rules over both. Otherwise, how is it then, when we are attracted to forbidden foods, we abstain from the pleasure to be had from them? Is it not because reason is able to rule over appetites? I for one think so. Therefore, when we crave seafood and fowl and animals and all sorts of foods that are forbidden to us by the law, we abstain because of domination by reason. For the emotions of the appetites are restrained, checked by the temperate mind, the self-controlled mind, and all impulses of the body are bridled by reason. 4th Maccabees 2 and why is it amazing that the desires of the mind for the enjoyment of beauty are rendered powerless? It is for this reason, certainly, that the temperate Joseph is praised, because by mental effort he overcame sexual desire. For when he was young and in his prime for intercourse, by his reason he nullified the frenzy of the passions. Not only is reason proved to rule over the frenzied urge of, urge of sexual desire, but also ever, over every desire, like anger, hatred, jealousy. Thus, the law says, the Torah says, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife or anything that is your neighbor's. In fact, since the law has told us not to covet, I could prove to you, uh, prove to you all the more that reason is able to control desires. 
So it is with the emotions that hinder one from justice. Otherwise, how could it be that someone who is habitually a solitary gormandizer, a glutton, or even a drunkard can learn a better way? Hallelujah. Unless reason is clearly master of the emotions. Thus, as soon as a man adopts a way of life in accordance with the Torah, even though he is a lover of money, he is forced to act a, act contrary to his natural ways and to lend without interest to the needy and to cancel the debt when the seventh year arrives. Praise Yah. 4th Maccabees 2.15 It is evident that reason rules even the more violent emotions, lust for power, vain glory, boasting, arrogance, and malice, for the temperate mind repels all these malicious emotions, just as it repels anger. For it is sovereign over even this. When Moses was angry with Dathan and Abiram, he did nothing against them in anger, but controlled his anger by reason. For, as I have said, the temperate mind, the self-controlled mind, is able to get the better of the emotions, to correct some, and to render others powerless. Why else did Jacob, our most wise father, censure the households of Simeon and Levi for their irrational slaughter of the entire tribe of the Shechemites, saying, Cursed be their anger. For if reason could not control anger, he would not have spoken thus. Now, when Elohim fashioned man, he planted in him emotions and inclinations. But at the same time, he enthroned the mind among the senses and as a sacred governor over them all. To the mind he gave the Torah, and the one who lives subject to this will rule a kingdom that is temperate, just, good, and courageous. Hallelujah. 4th Maccabees 3, 3.3 3. No one of us can eradicate anger from the mind, but reason can help deal with the anger. No one of us can eradicate malice, but can, but reason can fight at our side so that we are not overcome by malice. For reason does not uproot the emotions, but it is their antagonist. For the temperate mind can conquer the drives of the emotions and quench the flames of frenzied desires. It can overthrow bodily agonies even when they are extreme, and by nobility of reason spurn all domination by the emotions. So what this is basically saying is you can have you can dominate over these things. These things that we all struggle with different things. Some people struggle with gluttony. Some people struggle with anger. Some people struggle with uh, jealousy and, and, and malice and all these different things. The point of what this is saying is that you can reason. The reasonable mind can dominate over these things. However, if you're blinded by these spirits, how can you have a reasonable mind? It's impossible. Impossible. And this is where our amazing Messiah comes in because we've all just fallen short. Hebrews 9.11 But when Messiah appeared as a high priest of the good things having come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all time, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to Elohim, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living Elohim. And that's what Messiah came and gave us. He gave us a fresh start. And he cleansed us. And as we read in Ezekiel, give us a new heart and a new spirit within us that we are able to have this reasoning mind once again, the, the mind that can have self-control, temperance, to rule over these things that come up against us. Anger, malice, hatred, variance, all these different things, emulations. John 16. Verse 5, But now I am going with him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, grief has filled your hearts. But I tell you the truth, 
It is to your advantage that I am leaving, for if I do not leave, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment regarding sin because they do not believe in me. And regarding righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. And regarding judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged, I have many more things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them at the present time. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. This is the promise of, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to come to convict of sin and to lead into all righteousness, into all truth. All right, we're getting close to the end here. Chapter 5. Hatred is evil since it continually is a companion with lying, speaking against the truth, the Torah. It makes small things big. Remember when Messiah says, you strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. It's the tiniest little things. Make them huge. Turns light into darkness. Says that the sweet is bitter. Teaches slander, conflict, violence, and all manner of covetousness. It fills the heart with diabolical venom. That's poisonous and contagious and it spreads it's time to it's time to completely shift of how we think of one another think about this we're all created in the image of the most high but not all of us of course have accepted messiah not all of us are his people but think about even within his own people when you look at that brother and sister that is yah's treasured possession that's his field That's his inheritance. This is what the whole story of life is, that his house will be filled with good people who are who love his son, who, who love him, who are zealous for doing good works, who love each other. And I don't know about you, but I want to make it in there. And if you want to make it in there, we got to love each other. So we have to shift how we actually look at each other and how we treat each other. Stop spreading this poison. Just stop. Think of how all the people in the wilderness just always just slandered and gossiped and hated Moses and wanted to stone him constantly. And what did Moses do? He got on his knees and prayed for them. Let's let's act like Moses. Gad 5, verse 2. These things, therefore, I say to you from experience, my children, that you may drive forth hatred, which is of the devil, and cleave to the love of Elohim. Righteousness expels hatred. Humility kills envy. For the person who is just and humble is ashamed to commit an injustice, not because someone else will pass judgment on him, but out of his own heart because Yahweh considers his inner deliberations. Imagine this. It is, again, part of this mind shifting. Imagine every single conversation that you have with somebody that it's happening in the throne room. In the Most High, his son, the angels, are all just like, mm-hmm. 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 What about even your own thoughts? What if your thoughts were just audible in the throne room? How embarrassing for some of those thoughts, right? And this is why I have to take every thought captive. Again, I want to make it in. I want you to make it in. Let's revolutionize our walk and actually love each other and be and like do it for real. Not just play church. Sorry, not just play assembly. So let me read this again, because this is this is like Really, this is the heart of the, the whole message. Righteousness expels hatred. What is righteousness? It's defined, of course, as belief in Messiah and walking in the Torah of the Most High. Loving, loving Yah, loving people with all your heart. Righteousness expels hatred. Humility kills envy. 
thinking less of yourself. Caring less about yourself and caring more for others. Humility kills envy. For the person who is just and humble is ashamed to commit an injustice, not because someone else will pass judgment on him, but out of his own heart because Yahweh considers his inner deliberations. He recognizes that. He will not speak against a fellow man since fear, reverence of the Most High overcomes hatred. Being concerned not to arouse Yahweh's anger, he is completely unwilling to wrong anyone, even in his thoughts. This is the root of stuff that Messiah was talking about. Even what's in your thoughts. Your thoughts go into your heart and out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, so the man speaks and acts. I understood this at the last after I had repented concerning Yosef. For according to Elohim's truth, Torah, repentance destroys disobedience, puts darkness to flight, illumines the vision, furnishes knowledge for the soul, and guides the mind to salvation. What it has not learned from human means, it understands through repentance. For Elohim brought on me a disease of the liver, and if it had not been for the prayers of Yaakov, my father, he would shortly have summoned me from my spirit. For by whatever human capacity anyone transgresses, by that he is also chastised. We learned a little bit about this the last week or the week before with Naphtali, that human physiology and how our emotions are attached to our body parts sometimes. And sometimes people suffer in their body parts for some of the things and how they, how they act. Since therefore my liver was set mercilessly against Yosef, in my liver too I suffered mercilessly and was judged for 11 months so for so long a time as I had been angry against Yosef. Listen, and sometimes we need this chastisement, yet God needed it for him to wake up. I can also attest to this. Pain, pain is what woke me up. Hebrews 12, 4 through 13. You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of Yahuwah, nor faint when you are punished by him. For whom Yahuwah loves, he disciplines, and he punishes every son whom he accepts. It is for discipline that you endure. Elohim deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, we know that, but painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and knees that are feeble, and make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is impaired may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. This is our portion. It is our portion to be tried by fire. You may be like, oh, why poor me, poor me? He is having pity on you to put you through that trial. It's not always pain. It could be uh, financial trials. It could be family trials. It could be marital trials. It could be trials at your job. It could be uh, everything all at one time. Why? Because he wants to purge something from you. So also a mind shift change, not like, get me out of this, get me out of this. Maybe it's like in the middle of it, hey, purify me, refine me by your fire. Show me what I need to learn so that maybe eventually I can get out of this. All right, chapter six. Now, my children, I exhort you, 
each of you to love his brother. Drive hatred out of your hearts. Love one another in deed and in word and in inward thoughts. For when I stood before my father, I would speak peaceable about Yosef. But when I went out, the spirit of hatred darkened my mind and aroused my soul to kill him. This double, double, was it um, double-minded, double-hearted, double-spirited, two-faced. Love one another from the heart. Therefore, and if anyone sins against you, speak to him in peace. Listen to that again. And if anyone sins against you, speak to him in peace. Let me see if we read one more time. You know, so sometimes one of those like annoying conspiracy videos where they're like, If anyone sins against you, speak to him in peace. Seriously. Expel the venom of hatred and do not harbor deceit in your heart. If anyone confesses and repents, forgive him. But if you deny it, do not get into a passion with him. Don't remember, don't light that fire back up. Lest catching the poison from you, he take to swearing, and so you would be sinning doubly. In a dispute, do not let an outsider hear your secrets, since out of hatred for you, he may become your enemy and commit a great sin against you. He may talk to you frequently, but treacherously, or be much concerned with you, but for an evil end. This is some really random uh, good advice, good life advice, and the book of Sirach expounds on this, and I'd like to share that with you, about testing the people around you. Let those that are at peace with you be many, but let your advisors be one in a thousand. This, I'm sorry, this is Sirach 6. And when you gain a friend, gain him through testing, and do not trust him hastily. For there is a friend who is such at his, at his own convenience, but will not stand by you in your day of trouble. I've seen this as well. People are like, you know, all lovey-dovey friendly, and then when life gets hard, when life got hard for me, and testing, it's like, pff, flee away from you but will not stand by you in the day of trouble. And there is a friend who changes into an enemy and will disclose a quarrel to your disgrace. And there is a friend who is a table companion, but will not stand by you in the day of your trouble. In your prosperity, he will make himself your equal and will be bold with your servants. But if you are brought low, he will turn against you and will hide himself from your presence. And that's also trials in life may purge out fake friends. I've seen that too. Sirach 12, 8 through 18. A friend will not be known in prosperity nor will an enemy be hidden in adversity. A man's enemies are grieved when he prospers, and in his adversity, even his friends will separate from him. Never trust your enemy. You can still love them, but you don't have to trust them. For like the rusting of a copper, so is his wickedness. Even if he humbles himself and goes about cringing, watch yourself and be on your guard against him, and you will be, and you will be to him like one who has polished a mirror, and you will know that it was not hopelessly tarnished. Do not put him next to you, lest he overthrow you and take your place. Do not have him sit at your right hand, lest he try to take your seat of honor. And at the last you will realize the truth of my words and be stung by what I have said. Who will pity a snake charmer bitten by a serpent, or any who go near a wild beast? So no one will pity a man who associates with a sinner and becomes involved in his sins. He will stay with you for a time, but if you falter, he will not stand by you. If an enemy will speak sweetly with his lips, but in his mind he will plan to throw you into a pit. An enemy will weep with his eyes, but if he finds an opportunity, his thirst for blood will be insatiable. If calamity befalls you, you will find him there ahead of you. And while pretending to help you, he will trip you by the heel. He will shake his head and will clap his hands and whisper much and change his expression. Seen this too. Seen it. I think probably you, some, probably you as uh, some of you are listening to this, you're like, I've seen that too. All right, almost done. Uh, six, Gad, six, six. Even if he denies it and acts disgracefully, uh, disgracefully out of a sense of guilt, be quiet and do not become upset. Control. This is part of self-control. This is part of the, the, the fruits of the spirit. Self-control. Chill. 
For he who denies may repent and avoid offending you again. Indeed, he will honor you, will respect you, and be at peace. But even if he is devoid of shame and persists in his wickedness, listen to this. This is good. This is good life advice. Forgive him from the heart and leave vengeance to Elohim. So even if you know someone's wrong and they're just refusing it, just release it, like the like the seven year release, like the jubilee. Just release it, because the person that holds on is the one that's in prison. Forgive him from the heart, anyways. If anyone, chapter seven, last chapter, I think. If anyone prospers more than you, do not be aggrieved, but pray for him that he may prosper completely. For this is what is precisely to your advantage. And if he becomes even more exalted, do not be envious, but remember that all humanity dies. Offer praise to Yahuwah who provides good and beneficial things for all mankind. Search out Yahuwah's judgments, and in this way you shall gain an inheritance and your mind will be at rest. Even if someone becomes rich by evil schemes, as did Esau, your father's brother, do not be jealous. Wait for Yahuwah to set the limits. And it's interesting, those of you that are going to join us in the Torah portion afterwards, we're going to be talking about this, actually. Shortly, so interesting timing. We're gonna talk about the fruits of the spirit. One real quick before we finish up, Galatians five sixteen. But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these things are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law or under the penalty of the law. Because if you're led by the spirit, you won't be breaking the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of Elohim. Did you hear that? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want to make a new song out of this. Because the one that's out there that's popular is... Okay. Anyways, self-control. We talked a lot about self-control tonight. Goodness, faithfulness. So these two together, gentleness and self-control, was a big part of tonight. Against, against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Messiah Husha crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. All right, we're going to finish up Gad now. For if he takes away the things obtained by evil means, those who repent receive forgiveness, and the impenitent one, the one who refuses to repent, receives eternal punishment. The man who is poor but free from envy, who is grateful to Yahuwah for everything. Oh, let me read that again. The man who is poor but free from envy, who is grateful to Yahuwah for everything, is richer than all, because he does not love the foolish things that are a temptation to the common mankind. Drive hatred away from your souls and love one another in the uprightness of heart. 8. Tell these things to your children as well, so that they will honor Judah and Levi, because from them Yahuwah will raise up a Savior for Israel. I know that at the end your children will depart from them and will live in all manner of wickedness and evil doing and corruption in the sight of Yahuwah. Then after he had been silent for a brief time, he said to them, My children, obey your father. Bury me near my fathers. He drew up his feet and fell asleep in peace. And after five years, they took him up and buried him in Hebron with his fathers. And therein is the end of the Testament of Gad. I pray it was a blessing for you in some way. Uh, I know I tend to go through some of these things a little bit fast. Um, there will be a study guide or study reference guide thing 
in the description box below if you want to go back and reference all these different scriptures we discussed uh, this evening. But uh, let's pray. Father, yeah, we just come before you again and bless you and thank you for allowing us to study together like this. Thank you for all these books, Father, that you've kept for the end times remnant to grow, to come back to your way, to walk in spirit and truth, Father, the way you desire us to worship you. Father, we thank you for Messiah Husha. We know that we could not even be drawn to him unless you did so. Father, we just ask that you'd continue to help us, to give us your ruach, uh, and to not let these spirits have any dominion or power over us. Father, we don't pray for anyone listening, Father, if they're being attacked by these spirits, that you'd release them by the power of the name of Messiah, Husha, and that through repentance, through baptism, through uh, whatever is required in their life, Father, they would continue to do so and to continue to seek you and to, to flee to you, and may these spirits flee away from them. We just ask this in faith, by the name and blood of Messiah, who shall let it be so. Amen. Hallelujah. Shabbat shalom. Enjoy the rest of your Shabbat. If you'd like to, please join us for the Torah portion um, that should be uh, starting in the next 10, 15 minutes. Look forward to studying that with you as well. And uh, blessings. Shalom. Uh, let's do... We'll do this song. And again, if you, li- you like any of our songs, uh, they bless you. The homepage of uh, Parable of the Vineyard on YouTube, There's a pl- if you scroll down to the close to the bottom, there's a playlist of all these songs. Shabbat shalom. Shalom. Blessed are you, of your sons we could have hope taught us how to walk in spirit and in truth he is the vine through him we bear fruit your words a lamp unto our feet our hearts desire with every single beat your torah inside us commandments we know till that creature fall we wait until it's gone when you Unto you, your face will not see, and sound that shofar and go the shout. We'll sing you praises, praises to our King, and clap your hands, all His people, and sing with. Singing the new song, yeah, who 
creature and is chosen to him we belong Worthy is the Lamb for he was slain Made us kings and priests by him we shall reign Open ye the gates for those that keep the truth You'll give us lasting peace on minds that stayed on you Striving to shine bright like your menorah Walking in the way, the truth, your Torah Shout. We'll sing you praise. 